Please listen to the following important safety information. Indication. Isuvis Lodoprednol Etabinate Ophthalmic Suspension 0.25% is a corticosteroid indicated for the short-term, up to two weeks, treatment of the signs and symptoms of dry eye disease. Important safety information. Contraindications. Isuvis, as with other ophthalmic corticosteroids, is contraindicated in most viral diseases of the cornea and conjunctiva, including epithelial herpes simplex keratitis, dendritic keratitis, vaccinia and varicella, and also in mycobacterial infection of the eye and fungal diseases of ocular structures. Warnings and precautions. Delayed healing in corneal perforation. Topical corticosteroids have been known to delay healing and cause corneal and scleral thinning. Use of topical corticosteroids in the presence of thin corneal or scleral tissue may lead to perforation. The initial prescription and each renewal of the medication order should be made by a physician only after examination of the patient with the aid of magnification, such as slit lamp biomicroscopy and, where appropriate, fluorescine staining. Intraocular pressure, IOP, increase. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, as well as defects in visual acuity and fields of vision. Corticosteroids should be used with caution in the presence of glaucoma. Renewal of the medication order should be made by a physician only after examination of the patient and evaluation of the IOP. Cataracts Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in posterior subcapsular cataract formation. Bacterial infections Use of corticosteroids may suppress the host response and thus increase the hazard of secondary ocular infections. In acute purulent conditions of the eye, corticosteroids may mask infection or enhance existing infection. Viral Infections Use of corticosteroid medication in the treatment of patients with a history of herpes simplex requires great caution. Use of ocular corticosteroids may prolong the course and may exacerbate the severity of many viral infections of the eye, including herpes simplex. Fungal infections. Fungal infections of the cornea are particularly prone to develop coincidentally with long-term local corticosteroid application. Fungus invasion must be considered in any persistent corneal ulceration where a corticosteroid has been used or is in use. Fungal cultures should be taken when appropriate. Adverse reactions. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Welcome everybody today to the Dry Eye Chronicles. And today I have with me Mitch Jackson from Jackson Eye. We are so lucky to have you on here. It is always a pleasure. Um, so welcome, Mitch. Hey, Priya, thanks. Thanks for having me. Exciting. So this will be a fun session. <laughs> That's true. So today, our big topic is talking a little bit about Isuvis. And of course, anything that we have to add to our dry eye tool belt 
I know that you see a lot of patients with dry eye as well. With the approval of Isuvis, tell us, how are you planning to modify your current protocol or, you know, your, your, your pathway for your dry eye patients? Well, you know, everybody is always coming in on two or more lubrication drops they've tried, and those work kind of partially. And now with the pandemic time, it's even worse with wearing these masks. We know the mask-associated dry eye. And so there's chronic therapies and acute therapies. So how I'm using Isuvis, I'm actually able to use a steroid, finally topically, that is FDA approved for the short-term treatment of signs and symptoms of dry eye for up to two weeks. So now somebody comes in with a flare, or if they're already on a chronic treatment and they have a flare, or if they come in on no treatment, trying lubrication drops, obviously, or even a, a good lubrication drop, as there's a whole variety of those, they will have a flare usually, which brings them in to an eye care professional in the first place. This is where it comes in play for me. So I'll start them on Isuvis, and, and if they're already on a chronic dry eye treatment, we'll add Isuvis. That's how it works for us now. It's nice because now we have something to prove. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Mitch, I love the, the groups of patients that you mentioned because I think there's really quite a variety of patient categories um, that could be candidates for Isuvis and that are actually experiencing flares. And so, you know, you mentioned patients that are on chronic therapy. I, just like you, like to, you know, if I'm going to start someone on a new chronic like immunomodulator therapy, I do always love to pair it with a steroid. And I think one of the things that's great about Isuvis is, you know, as you said, it's on label, but it also has an excellent safety and efficacy profile. That's one patient population that I'm using it in. But also, it's amazing how many patients actually suffer from flares. And I think, I don't know if you've been surprised, but it's, I don't know if it's more top of mind now and I'm looking for these patients or if they're just, you know, more than I realized, but there's so many patients that have dry eye that kind of ascribe themselves to only having flares and others that have chronic disease that just have these exacerbations. What's been your experience in terms of, you know, how many patients you're seeing with flares? I agree. You brought up some great points. I think a lot of patients on chronic therapy, when they say it's not working, they're probably having a flare. And mm -hmm. that's kind of been the past because we really had nothing for them. Other than some steroid drop that was not on label. And now we have ineffective drops. And I think a lot of people who are on chronic therapy who say it doesn't work, they're probably just having a flare. And now when we see them, we just put them on this and then they can stay on their chronic therapy. Like you're saying other, other causes, I mean, the masks are causing so many flares these days. Me, for example, I just did 23 hours of travel over the last three days and operate in Panama. And I probably had my own dry eye flare just being on a plane all the time and then operating them, you know, at a microscope with your eyes, hours and hours, all that stuff is like being on a computer flare. So I personally use Isuvis with my lubrication and it got me through it. And of course, there's no head-to-head -head comparison between Isuvis and other topical steroids. But just like you, I uh, am very much excited to have something that's approved. When we think of flares traditionally, you know, patients sometimes would kind of treat themselves at home, you know, use artificial tears, compresses, et cetera. They may or may not reach out to your office. They may or may not feel like you have something to offer. And one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, I've been a little more proactive lately about treating dry eye flares and and, and talking to patients about, okay, you know, if you have this cluster of symptoms, call us, let us know. 
And what I've found is that if I actually take the time to treat the patient with a prescription medication like Isuvis, it helps to, I think, address some of the underlying inflammatory response. How many times a year can a patient be treated? Like how often would you um, allow them to be treated with a, a course of, of topical steroids before maybe you introduce, you know, another therapy uh, side by side? It's a loaded question because we know dry is multifactorial. There's, you know, evaporation component, the aqueous deficient component. So it's no different than if I'm doing a thermal pulsation treatment. I tell them they have to kind of, reset their glands and do their oil change once a year. That's my analogy I use for that. And they get it, you know, just like your car, you gotta come into your oil change, you gotta come into your once a year treatment with that. And then that's kind of the chronic therapy to help that, but that's not it. You gotta floss and brush your teeth every day. We all know that. You gotta keep doing drops daily. So I kind of tell them, you know, this is not a chronic treatment. It's an acute treatment. The goal is to minimize the number of times you need it. So get back to your original question. I think the patients who are more compliant, I think it almost determines how compliant patients are. There, certain things will actually cause flares, but then you wonder like, how do they get a flare? There's really nothing in their life that probably caused a flare. I mean, people are on computers more now, we got masks, so there's a lot more things, but in general, you kind of know what probably might've caused a flare. You have an autoimmune disease, it makes sense. But if they don't really have any risk factors, oh, I'm home now, I'm kind of retired, I'm not on a computer a lot, I'm not traveling. And then all of a sudden they're like, they're not, they're not using their chronic therapy or getting their oil changed once a year. Maybe they're not compliant. So you might see them coming in more often. So sometimes that tells me compliance. At the same time, they may really need it. So I'll add a second therapy. I'm making sure I'm treating everything though. I don't think one drop is ever enough for these dry eye patients, you know, they need some type of IPL, thermal pulsation treatment. They probably need a immune modulator of some type, an artificial lubrication, a good one, based if they're on a computer or not. And, you know, there's a lot of things out there. I think every patient requires multiple treatments. And I see this part of the, the equation. And I don't think there is a limit as long as you're monitoring their IOP. And, you know, it's a low dose steroid anyway. Uh, that really works. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, defects in visual acuity and fields of vision. If this product is used for longer than two weeks, IOP should be monitored. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think yeah. that the versatility, as you were pointing out, is really something that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of nice as a clinician, right, to have this op treatment option in such a variety of patients. One other patient population, as cataract and refractive surgeons, I don't think we see these patients quite as much, but the contact lens patient population, um, lots of patients become intolerant of contacts because of their dry eye. Um, you know, or come in for sometimes even a refractive surgery consult. <laughs> That's actually probably the most common time I see these patients, I'm sure, just like you. Right. What, what do you think about the role of um, using uh, a topical steroid for contact lens intolerance? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I always make sure they're not abusing their lenses or sleeping them too long, make sure there's not another cause for the problem, which is a lot of contact lens abusers out there. 
Definitely. I don't mind optimizing them for refractive procedure or cataract procedure. Uh, in my experience, it's a good way, you know, to, to manage their uh, dry eye flare, so to speak, um, to optimize them to get ready for surgery. So also, if they're not planning on having a surgical procedure, just get them out of their contact lenses, wear glasses, and do a couple of weeks of the Isuvis to kind of get their eyes happy again, because a lot of these contact lens were abused. And they, you know, with masks too now, more patients are probably going to contact lenses from glasses with the fogging. So we got to watch for that because as we wear masks, dry eyes worse anyway. So probably contact lens. I don't see a lot of contact lens patients, but I'm assuming I talked to my referring colleagues. They're probably seeing a lot more and Isuvis is going to be a good, a good answer to these flares and contact lens use. Most definitely. And I think, you know, bringing up your referring doctors um, as cataract and refractive surgeons that do a lot of co-management and working with uh, local optometrists, I think that, you know, one thing that I think that's very helpful is I've talked with some of my referring clinicians about making sure the ocular surface is screened and um, to really aggressively uh, treat the ocular surface prior to making the referral for cataract surgery, if possible, using the ASCRS Cornea Clinical Committee as a guideline, you know, but anything that we can do um, to encourage our colleagues to address it prior to surgery, I think is so important. Have you done anything with your co-managing doctors or community uh, providers? Well, I was referring to your study that you did at Duke. <laughs> <laughs> say how it's like the FACO study, the two big studies um, that are out there. I always reference your, your Duke study and that study uh, where most patients are asymptomatic but have signs of dry eye at the time of a cataract evaluation and they really need to be treated. So I, I, I try and use published studies with my referring colleagues when I do and that will come up in reference to those saying, you know, you, you don't realize it, but somebody goes, you always say I have dry eye in your letter to me. Am I missing it? I go, probably. I, go, <laughs> I say it nicely, but I mean, I, I, I put it in there just to remind them, like, you know, we got to treat the ocular surface. Absolutely. Do you find that um, any of your colleagues, um, you know, both in the uh, ophthalmic and the optometric community have a little bit of a resistance to incorporating topical steroids, maybe as, as much as uh, probably patients need or, or we think that they should? Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally there is a fear. I think Isuvis now being only a 0.25% concentrate of low retinol with its, you know, uh, cool delivery system, the nanoparticle uh, type delivery makes it really, uh, you know, a nouveau type product out there. And I think most of my referring docs feel safe prescribing this now uh, compared to the traditional more powerhouse topical series you've had in the past. It might have been overkill for a dry flare and ocular surface issues. You know, there's no head-to-head -head study or anything, but I mean, this product was designed for dry eye. It's approved for two weeks. When talking about Isuvis, um, the safety data for IOP on uh, the two-week trials, uh, the first part I mentioned is uh, there are only three patients out of 1,430 that had greater than or equal to 10 millimeter mercury uh, uh, elevation from ba baseline. 
and greater than or equal to 21 millimeters of mercury. So there's two components to that. And just as a reminder, if you're going to use it longer than two weeks, you need to continue monitoring IOP and watch for things. So um, just depending on the clinical presentation of the patient. So that's just like anything else we do in real life. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, given the, um, as you pointed out, the safety and efficacy profile, you know, it's, it's very well balanced and the drug really was designed to penetrate into the structures that relate to dry eye, you know, the cornea and the conjunctiva with much less penetration into the aqueous. And so, um, you know, just because it's a steroid doesn't mean that all steroids are created equal. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, defects in visual acuity, and fields of vision. If this product is used for longer than two weeks, IOP should be monitored. I think that, um, you know, I got a lesson in, in drug development and drug design as I learned about Isuvus because, um, you know, there is a difference in the way drugs are, are uh, absorbed into the ocular tissues and, of course, where they exhibit their, um, their profile. So most certainly, um, you know, gives me a little bit more comfort um, in incorporating topical steroids um, as a first-line therapy in my dry eye patients. So Mitch, you know, one of the things that I think is really important that you mentioned was um, how Isuvis is really intended for patients with ocular surface disease. Um, walk us through a little bit about, you know, the Amplify technology and the mucus penetrating particles that um, make Isuvis uh, what, it, what it is and, and why um, we should all care about it. As we know, what happens when a drop hits the surface? Less than 5% usually gets absorbed where you need it to go. And so this Amplify is the name of the technology that's in Isuvis. And Amplify uses mucus penetrating particles, which are, which are called MPP, with true two proprietary attributes. So they're selectively sized nanoparticles allowed for penetration into the mucus pores. And then it has a mucus penetrating surface coating to prevent adherence to mucus, which usually traps the drug and gets it rapidly removed from the ocular surface. So this is the whole acting behind Amplify the Isuvis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important for... Um everyone out there to also uh, understand, you know, a little bit about, you know, that safety profile you mentioned. Only three out of um, 1,430 patients in the studies, you know, these robust clinical trials that had um, any significant IOP elevation. Um, how does that, you know, impact, you know, how you look at things and that safety, comment on that safety profile? Yeah, yeah. So when I look back at the data from the preclinical study, the enhanced ocular surface distribution and enhanced penetration of the cornea, actually, they showed peak concentrations with uh, load prenol with this MPP amplified technology. It was 3.6 times higher in the cornea than conventional Lodomax suspension. And that's big. And so you're saying, like, hey, more is getting in. You should have a higher risk profile. But no. 
you actually had only three patients with an elevated IOP uh, greater than or equal to 10 millimeters from their baseline and greater than or equal to 21 millimeters of mercury. These patients on label are only on this drop for two weeks. For all eye care professionals, those who are kind of scared to use steroids anyway, uh, as a first line for flares, this should reassure them that it's okay to do it. Patient with high efficacy benefit. So the, you know, the, the risk benefit ratio is worth it with this drop, especially in dry eye flares. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's why it's so important for all of us out there that are um, prescribing to understand, you know, what makes um, ISUVA itself different. And it really is the Amplify technology um, that powers this um, lodopredinol etabinate molecule to get to the target tissues. When talking about ISUVIS, um, the safety data for IOP on uh, the two-week trials, uh, the first part I mentioned is uh, there are only three patients out of 1,430 that had greater than or equal to 10 millimeter mercury uh, uh, elevation from ba baseline and greater than or equal to 21 millimeters of mercury. So there's two components to that. The most common adverse drug reaction following the use of Isuvis for two weeks was installation site pain, which was reported in 5% of patients. Prolonged use of corticosteroids may result in glaucoma with damage to the optic nerve, defects in visual acuity and fields of vision. If this product is used for longer than two weeks, IOP should be monitored. Last little thing here before we wrap up, of course, the pandemic is always on <laughs> all of our minds. Um, and you know, I don't know if you're if you're still doing any telemedicine visits or not. Um, I, I think that certainly we got a little lesson in telemedicine and and it's something that um, we still kind of dabble in here and there. Um, but do you see um, yourself continuing to use telemedicine and maybe even, you know, with your dry eye patients using telemedicine? Yeah, so, I mean, things are opening back up, so we're doing less and less of it. However, my one uh, optometrist who runs my dry eye clinic, Dr. Bollinger, she's really awesome. She does the telemedicine visits half day a week if there are any so we typically do them for some dry eye patients they come and do their testing i don't have a new office building i'm trying to get it off the ground so our mm -hmm. waiting room space has been really limited can't pack them in like i used to so we try and do glaucoma patients and dry eye patients um we try and get them come and just do their testing and they'll do a lot tomorrow when I'm not here. I'm in surgery all day, even though she has a clinic, but it frees up some more space in the office. And then she'll follow up with some telemedicine uh, visit options where you just got to really do the testing. And then she'll just follow up with a call and say, hey, you know, your pressure's good. Your fields were normal. Dry eye, your osmolarity was looking good. How are your symptoms? You know, the eye's quiet. So we don't do it for all of them, but for the scared to come in, you know, and do everything and sit in the office for a long period of time. They don't come in, they go and do testing, and get right out. So we do some still, not as much as we did in the beginning. Now that Illinois is opening up a little more. Um, it was funny. I saw a big sign. I went for drive through to just get an iced coffee at McDonald's and said, open for, for Illinois. You know, that's, that's like, okay, it means everything's open now. 
So <laughs> it's just funny. So I kind of see things are getting that telling me that things are getting a lot better. Hey, that something that's question. always closed for so long. I don't remember anything being open for how it is where you're at, but Illinois has been kind of a lagger with everything. So we're finally starting to open up more and hopefully we keep ramping up and doesn't close back down again this fall winter. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I think dry eye patients are a perfect telemedicine patient, you know, and I love that you're having them come in to do testing and then doing the consult because I think that, you know, that's that really, once you can kind of get the snapshot shots of data, you really can have, you know, a very peaceful, not rushed conversation on telemedicine. Um, and so I love that. Right. Yeah, and also for, Sometimes we do it also for meet and greet. So if my optometrist sees a cat eval, for example, and they start some treatment, like I see with whoever to optimize the surface. They haven't met me. They want to meet me. They don't want to wait till surgery day. We both do cat evals, but then it's a perfect time. They have to come back in. I have all the testing in front of me. I'll just get on and do a meet and greet with them uh, on telemedicine. And so that's another thing if they, if they want to meet me. So that saves time. For a telemedicine visit so yeah well look silver linings of the pandemic <laughs> um yeah, so we, with, learned, we learned a lot yeah. during this we did and hey I changed a few started. things for my new office building based on that you know a few things just in case yeah i mean prepare for the future yep have to adapt no doubt i agree with you completely i think you know our dry eye patients maybe we've um spent a little more time with them now that, you know, the pandemic is clearing. And I love the different ways that you're incorporating um, modern technology and, you know, really also highlighting. And uh, I'm just glad you agree with me that it's important to treat these patients with flares. And I think that ISUVIS is, um, you know, kind of been a seamless integration into clinical practice, just like yours, which is amazing. So thank you so much for all of your insights. And I actually really want to come visit your office one of these days very soon. Oh, all right, good. I mean, I got to come visit you. I want you to, but I want to, I'm hoping I get it break ground for a new building. I'll invite everybody, but I won't. I'm just hoping we break ground. We kind of got delayed. Everything got messed up this year. I think we're going to break ground until next spring, unfortunately. Good things come to those who wait. <laughs> yeah, but you're welcome to come visit anytime. We'd love to have you. Uh well, thanks so much, Mitch. And thank you, everybody, for um, listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Dry Eye Chronicle. All right. Thanks, everybody. Keep the flare away. <laughs> <laughs>